Rumor has it there is a secret base hidden underneath the Archelaus. So have you ever been in a spaceship? Don't try this at home. Secrets of Area 51 Reveal. I'm from Series. Series 8, not Series B. Who are you, huh? Mama. It's time to open your eyes, open your mind, and shift your paradigm. You're tuned in to another episode of All Night with the Living Geeks, a podcast in which we investigate and discuss high strangeness and the weird world in which we live. I'm your host, Taylor, and across from the virtual desk for me tonight is my brother, Seb. Seb, how you doing? Very good. Good evening, gentlemen. Excellent. Glad to hear it. And back with us again after a few months away uh, is my good friend and podcast co-host, John. Welcome back. Yes, hello. I, I have returned. I can't even remember the last time the three of us uh, were on the same uh, wavelength. I, I want to say that it was probably episode five. I think we've gone two episodes yeah, where I, you've been traveling or. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I looked at the, uh, I saw, I went episode eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm back. Here I am. We've Hello. Done some, we've done some stuff in the meantime. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. No kidding. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, the gang's all here and we are ready to uh, tuck into some uh some odd frequencies i'll say um but before we do that is there anything new in our own weird worlds uh seb what's going on with you well the only interesting thing lately is that uh i recently found some old photos from a time back in september 2003 when i was briefly employed as a human guinea pig for a nasa thought control experiment interesting that was pretty fun um yeah, I had uh, just finished grad school. I was broke, unemployed, and I, uh, you know, out of desperation, a friend who worked at NASA Ames got me a job working uh, for a um, neuroengineering group. They have a neuroelectric machine control laboratory experiment that they were doing. And uh, for uh, about $15, $11 an hour, I got to be a human guinea pig, wear a bath, or like a shower cap type thing that measured EMG and EEG waveforms to see if I could control a cursor on a computer screen, uh, make it move around by just Ooh. thinking about it. So they claimed it was going to be used for like disabled people, but I kind of think it was probably more geared to helping uh, fighter pilots blow up things but just by looking at them, you know? Mm. Uh, turns out I, uh, I was not very good at moving things with my mind, but um, I am happy <laughs> to say that uh, my contribution was, did end up in a uh, peer-reviewed academic journal that the scientists published. So oh, that was kind of fun. Nice. That's cool. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Uh, yeah. John, anything? Uh, how uh, about you guys? Anything weird going on? Um I had I had a, cu- a couple of things. Uh, most recently, um, I was on my way to uh, cover SummerSlam, which is a professional wrestling event in Vegas. Yeah, and uh, my my friend Junior, who drove, who's also the producer of, of that that um, website that I work for, that hashtag show. Uh, he just had a random playlist on, and. Um, I believe "Got the Life" by Corn came on. Okay, and I went, "Wow, yeah, I'm pretty sure this album came out in 1998." So it's like the 20 was at the 25th, 
25th uh, year? Not quite 25th, Fifth, but, but close, 23rd. 23rd, and I was like, yeah, I, I wonder. I know it came out in 1998. I wonder what day it came out, and it literally came out on the day we were listening to it. Oh, interesting. Uh, so that, uh, that was cool. And then also, now that I think about it, I had another weird synchronicity with him yesterday um, where I messaged uh, the co-host of that wrestling show that I I, I host mm -hmm. and I said hey man what are we doing next weekend for the pay-per-view uh, I haven't talked to Junior yet I think I'm going to hit him up in a couple of minutes here I sent the message three minutes later Junior calls me and I go hey is Neeson right next to you and he goes what are you talking about I'm like, I just messaged him about, he's like, dude, Neeson is on vacation. He's not in the state. Uh, and I'm like, uh, I, I, you know, I messaged him to, to talk about all out. And he's like, that's literally why I'm calling you. Uh, so that was, that was weird. <laughs> Put that vibe out there. Yeah. And on the way back from Vegas, I went to the alien beef jerky hut yes. place and that was fun. That was awesome. Yeah. That Yay. was a good time. So there's all my weird stuff. Sent me pictures from there, and I was like, oh, I missed that place. I haven't been there in a long time. I got the um, area. I think I mentioned this on podcast. I got mm -hmm. the Area 51 uh, keep out or we will murder you sign. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to put it up. That's Lauren was neat. like, where is this going? I'm like, in, somewhere. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, well, I've, I've had something kind of like an uh, – I don't know if, I guess synchronicity is the best thing I can call it. About three, no, I think four weeks ago now, um, I bought an old surfboard off Craigslist. And I, I literally, I bought it, one, because it looked cool, um, and two, because I just wanted to throw it up on the roof rack of the bus when I go to VW shows. Mm. Um, and it's very mm. 80s. Dayglow colors, you know, airbrushed and everything. And um, it, it took the help of some friends, um, online to help me figure out that this was one that was shaped by, um, a fairly famous, uh, board shaper. Um, he's still around. His name is Rusty Preisendorfer, uh, runs, literally started the, you know, Rusty, uh, surf brand, um, back in the mid eighties. And, um, it's, it's a pretty low, number board it's 2177 um and they're they're like up in the tens of thousands at this point um and so i was like wow that's crazy i want to learn everything i can about this board um and literally a week later um i am in a um a vintage surfboard facebook group because of course i joined one of those right um and somebody in the uk is like oh yeah yeah i Totally picked up this board recently. It was number 2180. It was three boards huh. away from mine. Wow. And I'm like, what the heck? That is crazy. A week after that, somebody who lives not even half an hour away from me posts a picture of another rusty board. And this one is number 1939. Whoa. And I'm like, what the heck? And then somebody in the comments says, I'm going like, holy crap, what are the odds that, you know, I've run into these early boards all in a row somebody else chimes in he's like oh yeah i've got like board 820 or like 819 or something and i'm like dude like I, I i mean only i would be piecing these together they everyone else this is all kind of separate stuff but it's like all of a sudden it's like buying a certain type of car and suddenly you see that type of car everywhere yeah 
you know, I've got this old board sitting here now, and now I'm seeing them everywhere. Like they're totally popping up, and I'm like, this is just strange. That's so weird. That is weird. Company has records that would say like what that number board like when it was made or. Um, Okay, so I I have I have cast so many leads into the proverbial water. I even took a stab at what Rusty's own email address would be at the company and found him. Um, And he was basically like, I don't know, that was 35 years ago. Um, But somebody else who works at the company uh, did get back to me and was like, yeah, here's a, here's a, a, an old database from 1955. um, And it doesn't necessarily have a date, but it's like, okay, it's uh, you know, the, 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 foam dimensions were you know this by this by this does that sound right and i'm like well if you account for like the fiberglass thing over it yes because it's basically an extra inch in every direction uh once it's glassed um and so to the best to the best of my estimation and they were able to confirm that like that's not a uh like a date code that literally is a sequential number um so from everything that I've studied so far, it was probably in their second year of production, which would have been 87. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty beat up. I mean, it's really, it's for show, you know, more than anything. I'd like to do a little bit with the tail just to kind of maybe seal it up. But, um, you know, I don't think it's ever going to be ridden again. Mm-hmm. At least not by my chubby butt. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, the only other thing that I've got going on in terms of weird... Um, is that in preparation for tonight's episode, I have been spending uh, parts of my day uh, uh, tuning into some of my favorite number stations. And um, I honestly, I haven't done it in quite a while. Um, You know, mostly it's podcasts and music for me. Um, But sure enough, Friday morning, I'm sitting here and I've got just my headphones on the desk and I've got the volume turned up on my computer while I'm working. And the, um, you know, the buzzer's going, we'll talk about it all that in a, in a, in a few minutes here. Um, and all of a sudden it stops and I'm like, oh man, did my, did my signal drop out? And then I went, no, wait a second. It's all still running. And I went, oh crap, grabbed my headphones, threw them on my head and totally caught a broadcast. Nice. Uh, I was like, oh man, I haven't heard one of these in years. That's so cool. So I was, I was pretty stoked about that. I thought that was just, just, uh. Good timing and a and a nice uh, yeah synchronicity with our topic this month. Absolutely. So yes, indeed, folks, we are talking. What is our topic this month? <laughs> we are talking about number stations. Imagine yourself somewhere where there's a motorcycle. Oh, that motorcycle uh, traveled through time from my window to yours. Wow, that's that's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, man, from LA to Sac. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, from the Bay Area and back down. Yes. Um, and if you get that reference, <laughs> give yourself points. Thank you. Um, imagine yourself in a dark room in the middle of the night. Your only source of light is the glow of the shortwave radio before you. Your headphones are filled with static as you slowly creep along the dial. Amongst the background hiss are chirps and warbles, the occasional faint staccato rhythm of Morse code. And then you stumble across a female voice calmly, almost robotically, calling off a series of numbers and letters from the phonetic alphabet. Just as quickly as you catch it, the transmission ends and is replaced by an eerie piece of music or channel marker. 
Aside from the creep factor for the casual listener, number stations have for decades provided a nearly uncrackable code for both military and espionage purposes. Join us this month as we dial in the weird and discuss some of our favorite number stations. And a quick word of warning, if you are listening to us on headphones, ladies and gentlemen, um, maybe turn us down a couple of notches because some of the samples we're going to play for you tonight have sudden loud bursts of noise. Um, so, hey, consider yourselves warned. Um, and if you're playing this in the car, put the windows down, turn it up, freak out your uh, fellow people in traffic because <laughs> that's always fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. Number stations. I am such a sucker for um, radio in the sense of like, I love having like a CB radio. I love uh, shortwave. There's just something so old school and analog about it um that i just i get fascinated by it hmm. i think i think i was really it... excited about tonight's episode for a number of reasons yeah why is that oh, well it, it's the first episode i think that we've talked about uh, a mystery that's not strictly a paranormal mystery i guess mm-hmm. um and it was also a topic that i literally know nothing about so it was very educational um well for me some of the like I think my fascination with it kind of comes from, you know, Seb, when you and I were young and we would try and tune in um, Art Bell's Dreamland program on Sunday evening, you know, and we would lay right. there in the living room with like my boombox. Um, and here I am trying to pick up a station out of Reno, Nevada, um, because he wasn't being played in the Bay Area yet. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, you, you, you'd get it very faintly and it would at times fade in and out. Um, and so there was this, I don't know, it kind of just like added to like the mystery of everything, even though there's, you know, it's mm-hmm. perfect, you know, scientific propagation, you know, uh, uh, reasoning behind it, right. There's nothing more than that, but the atmosphere that it creates was something that I've always loved. Um, and so, you know, just that that almost kind of white noise that it that it provides. It's something that makes me think of like, you know, staying up late at night because nighttime is when these these waves propagate more. They travel further because it doesn't have all the um literally noise from the sun um causing mm-hmm. interference. Um but Seb you you kind of had some assumptions based on just the name short wave, right? What was that all about? Oh, Right. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, exact opposite of you. I really know nothing about radio from a technical point of view. I mean, I'm familiar with the, fr- the phrase shortwave radio, but I guess I always just assumed incorrectly, as it turns out, that shortwave indicated it was a short distance communi- form of communications. But it sounds like shortwave radio is actually pretty much the longest form of radio communication. You can get messages sent between different continents uh, on the planet, yeah. which is pretty fascinating it's like nearsighted and farsighted yeah i know that always throws me <laughs> off right it right always right. throws me off yeah um and um and yeah that's exactly right because the short wave is the 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 frequency of the wavelength the actual signal itself mm-hmm. um and at um at nighttime especially you know, these signals can spread all the way up to, you know, up into the stratosphere, the ionosphere, and bounce off that. Um, now, at that point, you're, uh-huh. you know, tens, almost hundreds of miles up, not hundreds, a hundred. Um, and it bounces off that and will 
you know, can propagate down across a large portion of the planet. Um, I, with CB radio, you sometimes get uh, a condition called skip um, where, you know, you can sit there and uh, somebody with a big uh, base station, not a car based CB radio, but somebody who's actually got a radio and an antenna in a house um, can be sitting there and broadcasting and their signal will basically skip along the atmosphere um, and there have been times where I've, um, you know, just here in California, I've picked up Hawaii. I've picked up um, all over the East Coast and the Midwest. I even picked up Monterey, Mexico once. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Now, I could never broadcast back to them with my radio because it's only putting out a measly four watts. <laughs> um, but, but these guys, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing, you know, hundreds of watts. Um, and so that signal can, can travel further than mine ever could. And the same concept works with shortwave radio. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, Seb, you kind of dived into kind of like some of the theory almost and uh, uh, history on aspects of uh, um, using shortwave radio uh, for cryptography and stuff. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess, I guess maybe some of our listeners might be wondering, you know, what does the phrase numbers stations actually mean, other than the title of a really bad John Cusack spy movie, which I do not oh, recommend. In any yeah, agreed. agreed. Um, but I mean, I mean, uh, apparently, you know, governments have been using radio communication since the early 20th century for, you know, military and foreign policy issues and even espionage. But uh, there was a guy named Claude Shannon, really fascinating character. And he is sort of, um, I guess you might say, really important in the history of number stations because picture yourself as a, as a government and you have, you know, secret spies in another country, maybe even on another continent. Um, apparently, you know, governments could use shortwave radio stations to broadcast secret messages to these spies. Um, and Claude Shannon was a mathematician and cryptographer known as the father of information theory. And basically the way it works is if I understand it correctly, you have a, a government with a you know shortwave broadcasting facility somewhere. They're sending a message that anybody with a the proper equipment can listen to, but the message is encoded using numbers and presumably on the other side of the uh, the, the pond or what, what have you, you know, you have your secret, super secret spy who has been equipped with, amongst other things, not only a radio receiver, but something called a one-time pad, which is a basically a, a pre-printed pad of paper with uh, letters and numbers on it that would allow the person to decode the message and figure out, you know, what their super secret, you know, instructions are, which in a sense is sort of kind of the, the charm and the, the brilliance of uh, number stations in the sense that, you know, if, if I want to, you know, if I'm in a spy mood, I can either put on a spy movie or I could listen to these broadcasts floating through the air that are actual real spy stuff going on real time. But anyway, Claude Shannon, so he was a guy that um, apparently prepared a classified memo for Bell Telephone Labs in 1945 where he could prove mathematically that if these one-time pads and number stations were used accurately, it was mathematically impossible to break that code. And in fact, this, this paper he wrote um, was actually classified for many years, and then it was finally published publicly in 1949. It was called Communication Theory of Secrecy Systems. Um, and 
I get the feeling that, you know, once he mathematically was able to prove that the concept was potentially an unbreakable code, it seems to me that that's when governments realize that, hey, this is a very effective and, you know, low cost way to communicate with people over very, very long distances in a very secure manner. Um, which is actually, when you think about it, sort of one of the challenges I had for tonight's episode, because we have all these number stations broadcasting, but the people that are sending the messages are super secret, and the people that are receiving the messages are super secret, and the messages themselves are super secret. So what is there really to say? And I really got, I really kind of <laughs> fell down a rabbit hole with some of the fascinating characters that are kind of uh, surround this phenomenon. Uh, Shannon was really weird. He had these all weird hobbies. He was into juggling, unicycling, chess. But he also invented all these crazy devices. He invented a Roman numeral computer, uh, a juggling machine, a flamethrowing trumpet. Uh, and oh. he also built a device that can solve a Rubik's Cube. Ooh. And this guy, he's so fascinating because he... So his, his work, research, and communication theory and information theory... A lot of people regard it as sort of the foundation of the digital revolution and that essentially every device that contains a microprocessor or, or a microcontroller is a conceptual descendant of one of Shannon's publications. And it's kind of fascinating because it's from what little I've been able to tell about the topic of number stations, even though they still exist, in a way, the golden age, you might argue, has passed because not only is the Cold War over, but now we have other forms of communication like the Internet and whatnot which, you know, arguably is probably less secure than a number station message. Um, but when, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you posit that, you know, the, the Internet and the World Wide Web is in some way a descendant of Shannon and his ideas, you could almost say that he was not only the person that sowed the seeds for the birth of number stations, but he also kind of was the grandfather of their ultimate, I guess, maybe not demise, but decline in use, maybe. I don't know. I just thought that was really fascinating. Um, but apparently there's these things called one-time pads, which are just super important to this whole process of sending and decoding these super secret spy messages, I guess. Right, definitely. Um, and yes. and I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, you know, I, a few years ago, kind of dove deep um, into the whole, like, number station scene. And, you know, there's 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 a couple of websites out there that, that follow them pretty closely um, and kind of keep track and log them. I, we're going to have so many links in the show notes for you guys. Um, definitely look there for some resources. Um, but like they had actually one one site had actually worked up a Google Calendar schedule of Ooh. when yeah when different uh, stations are at least expected to broadcast. Um, it doesn't guarantee a broadcast all the time, um, and it's massive. It's huge. Depending on you know where you are in the world, it's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go listen to this one that's coming out of Cuba right now, um, or you know here's this one that's coming out of Poland right now, um, and it's you know I don't know that they're even close to you know a death or a downturn in the use of number stations because even with the internet, I mean I would argue the Cold War is not over. Um, but I definitely think that, that the internet is, is less secure, um, and m you're more easily tracked, um, on the internet than compared to just, you know, um, broadcasting into the ether. Um, and, and again, 
the the key of course is using this one time pad um and um you know making sure your recipient is is also on it so they can decode it and that's you know that's that's far more secretive and far more uh, clandestine uh, so to speak, than um, you know, trying to send even just encrypted stuff across the internet. Even if you're using a VPN, I would argue. I mean, if it, if it, John, I'm really curious. What were the? Oh, I was going to say if it's if it's not broken, what, what uh, don't fix it. I guess. Right. Yeah. Also, I'm looking at this. Uh, you mentioned right, the Roman sure. numeral computer. Uh, this thing is wild. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's. It? Yeah, it's basically uh, just yeah. um, full lines of L's, X's, V's, I's, and then a full <laughs> row of just blank uh, buttons. Oh, boy. And then it has, um, <laughs> what is this button? Clear, lower, control. It has another button. This is the original thing, so it's kind of dirty. And then it just has times, divide, uh, minus, and then another X, V, I. It's, it's very weird. Oh, boy. But hey, I mean, if you you know if you if you've been involved in cra- in uh, this this uncrackable code, I guess you know I'm not really I'm not of the mind to figure this out. It's it's pretty crazy. That's cool. Whoa, what what, what, what were the first times that you both were aware of the, the, this thing called number stations? Because for me, it was maybe uh, several years ago. Tay, I was at your house for like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas, and I mm-hmm. heard you talking about you. And the fact that you listen to a weird Russian radio station that broadcasts beeps. And I thought yes. to myself, you know, that's my brother. God love him. You know, what? But so that was that was the very first time I'd heard of this whole concept. So for you guys, uh, what was it like? Did you? Mine was exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> what, me talking about? It? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'll be honest. I there is a um, there's a life hacker article uh, that I have linked in the show notes. Uh, it's the first one in our little resources subsection here, um, and and that was that was kind of how it it came uh, to my attention. Um, uh-huh. And so, kind of like reading through that, and um, one of the things that it it, it talks about is. Um, what's called web SDR. So web based software defined radio. Um, and there is a link both in the resources and in the show notes to a very, uh, very well known, very um, heavily trafficked um, uh, web SDR based at the university of, uh, I, I just pronounce it 20. T-W-E-N-T-E in the Netherlands. Um, and so you can go to this website and you can um, you can basically put your cursor anywhere on this visual waterfall of uh, waveforms and it will tune to whatever you just clicked on. Or if you know a frequency ahead of time, um, you can uh, enter in that uh, frequency by hand um and it will tune straight to it um now you got to keep in mind this antenna is based in the netherlands so if you want Uh to try and pick up a station uh that you believe is broadcasting out of new mexico you're probably not going to hear it um if you want to pick up something in europe if you want to pick up uh something in russia uh possibly even china um you can get it on this particular web SDR. But the nice thing is, is there are hundreds 
of um, SDR sites around the internet. Um, there, there's even a, a reception station um, over here south of Half Moon Bay. Um, so if you're like, oh, I want to pick up stuff out of the Pacific, I want to pick up stuff out of you know the Western U.S. Right. You know, you find something like that, um, and that's you're going to obviously pick up different stuff. Same as if you were in your car, you leave it on one station, you drive five states over, you're going to be on the same frequency, but you're going to be picking up different stuff. Yeah. So there's that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, my my first uh, fascination with uh, number stations was and still is a, a Russian station known as the Buzzer, um, and in and in fact we got a little sample buzzer. of the Buzzer. John, why don't you play that that that, that little sample? Yeah, all right, here we go. Remember our disclaimer at the beginning yeah, of the show. Watch your ears. <laughs> So that is just a short sample of what you would hear at 4,625 kilohertz um, coming out of Russia, like all the time, barring the times where the signal actually breaks down or they're transmitting an actual message. This is what you hear. It's, 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 um, it's basically um, a channel marker. It keeps the frequency kind of reserved for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Like if nothing was broadcasting, anybody could hop on that frequency mm-hmm. and start talking. So this, this kind of occupies the channel. So the buzz itself isn't, yeah. It's, it's, okay. yeah, it's, it's gotcha. not a message. There have been oh, so many different theories as to, as to what the buzzer really is. Um, you know, everything right. from um, uh, like over the horizon radar uh, you know, looking for incoming missiles or something like that to uh, what's called a dead hand signal. Um, and it's it's the idea that if for some reason, like this signal stopped, it meant that like the Soviet government had fallen mm. and it would it would trigger like the launch of all their missiles. Um, a totally, totally terrifying thought. Um, but that absolutely is not what this station is. Uh, the buzzer itself, for as calming as I find it, believe it or not, um, because it is so regular and rhythmic. Anytime where I was stressed out at work and I could listen to it, I was like, okay, right? This is nice and steady. Everything else is in chaos, but this is nice and steady. <laughs> I, it's weird. I know. I'm a weirdo. I'm a weirdo. Thank you, Russia. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it literally is just a channel marker. Um, and And periodically you know sometimes you might have days where they might send them multiple messages sometimes you might go weeks and weeks in between transmissions the buzzing will stop there'll be you know a little bit of a gap as somebody you know gets ready and keys up on the microphone and then you'll get an actual transmission um which will often be the um oh let's see how is it structured it's structured with um, like the call sign of the channel, which used to be UVB76. Um, it has changed multiple times since then. Um, and then a, a series of like five numbers, which is like a, like a group uh, number. And then some sort of uh, um, coded message 
uh, often in the uh, Russian phonetic alphabet. So where we have stuff like, you know, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, um, they will have like, you know, Anna, Olga, Ivan, mm. you know. Um, in fact, I know, I know it's two minutes long, but if yes. you want to hear an example of a message sent over UBV76, uh, we've got that if you want to play that yeah. real quick. Yeah, here we go. So yeah, there's an example of an old UVB seventy six message. What what did it say? Do we know? Um, not really, <laughs> because they also use a one time pad. Ah, <clears throat> but there's uh, uh, seriously go into YouTube and search UVB seventy six sometimes, and there are so many people who have either captured recordings or just fascinated by it. Um, it, it is probably the most famous number station that's out there. Really? Um, and it's not, it's not used for spies. Um, people who are interested in it have actually studied it so much. It actually is used by the, uh, Russian military's Western district, uh, to basically communicate with, um, you know, different groups, um, spread out over the Western part of Russia. Um, so classified military to military communications, not correct. like government to spy yeah. communication. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting. And again, links in the show notes. Um, there's um, like a 45 minute video of a couple of urban explorers um, basically checking out um, an old um, site that, that used to broadcast this oh, signal. Cool. Um, and granted it is, all in Russian, 
I tried turning on the uh, captions and translating it to English, and it's um, it's rough. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I kind of just gave up trying to follow the captions because it was so like off. Um, but there actually, there's another video that we'll have in the show notes um, where um, a couple of guys actually, you know, with just a little handheld shortwave radio in the car, um, basically pinpoint where it's transmitting from now. Ah, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, And in one of these like urban exploration uh, things, um, an old logbook was found, and um, there is they scanned it in as a PDF. And so there's there is a link. It's in the show notes. You can check it out. Um, It's it's cool if you can read Russian. Otherwise, it's kind of like this is just a neat kind of piece of history to look at. Um, But yeah. There's there's a, a PDF scan of an old UVB seventy six logbook. Um, so for for all the secrecy and all the mysteriousness kind of around it, because it really is kind of creepy, especially if it's something you know you've got on late at night. I'm not joking. One Halloween, I actually played just you know like a string of different number stations like out our front window during Halloween while kids were coming, <laughs> just because they sound That's so awesome. spooky just because it sounds so spooky. Um, and they are, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, the buzzer, it's, it's a fun one to listen to. It's an easy one to, uh, find, um, because it has that channel marker that you can hear all the time. Um, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who are really fascinated with it, but really at the end of the day, when it comes down to, um, you know, it was once thought of as a spy station. It was once thought of as some sort of like doomsday device, um, but it, it is actually just a way for the Russian military to communicate in that region. And there are a number of other Russian stations that are out there, but the buzzer is the most famous one uh, of, of that group, I suppose. Very cool. Yeah. And it's still still not going, right? There's Or is it? It, it is. No, it With is. new it messages? Still, or just still active. Yeah, new messages. Wow. I, I, just, I just heard one Friday. That's crazy. I just heard one Friday, and I think I think the earliest I think the earliest reported like um, observation of like the public of hearing the station was sometime in the seventies. It's wild. So this has been going for between forty. Oh, yeah. and 50 years. that's crazy. So a lot of the station's been around a long time. So that, the, that's, a, that's a, yeah, yeah. What were you going to say, Seb? Oh, I was just going to say that was an interesting point because when I started researching for tonight's episode, uh, one of the things I sometimes do is I'll go into Google Books website and mm-hmm. I'll try to see what's the earliest reference I can find for a certain phrase or topic mm-hmm. or word. Um, there was a really neat um, article from the 70s in Popular Mechanics magazine that talked all about number stations and you know what, they, what people think they are and that kind of stuff, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, Totally unrelated to tonight's episode. One day I spent an afternoon doing the exact same thing, but trying to figure out what was the first instance of the phrase Area 51 I could find in print. Oh, okay. Um, That was fascinating. As far as I could tell, really quickly, total aside, um, it was congressional testimony in 1984 by a very young congressman from Nevada by the name of Harry Reid. Oh, (laughs) okay. All right. All right. I got you. Interesting. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, one of the other ways that I kind of like was exposed um, to the various different number stations uh, out there was through, um, well, I didn't have the CDs, but they were originally released as CDs. Um, you can actually find it on Spotify now, believe it or not. I'll have a link to that in the show notes of what's called the Conant Project. Oh, man, love it. And the Conant Project was, or might still be, um, a group of basically shortwave enthusiasts who will uh, listen to and record um, and kind of catalog, basically, uh, number stations and, and different, uh, different broadcasts out there. Um, and so you actually have some interesting information about the guy who... Um, um, yeah. Uh, oh, kind of, God. I don't know if it was founded the Conet project exactly, but, but definitely published the Conet project. Tell us a bit about this guy. That was, this is stuff I didn't know. Yeah, this, I, I got really fascinated with this. I kind of have a crush on this guy now. I see. His name is Aiken O. Fernandez, uh, born in 1963. He's the founder of an indie music label called Iredial Discs, I-R-D-I-A-L Discs. Um, and these days he's a Bitcoin impresario. Oh my. Um, there was an amazing article about him in the Washington Post, which is where I got most of this information. Um, just endlessly fascinating sounding individual. Um, the son of Nigerian born parents. Uh, he grew up in Brooklyn and moved to London when he was 15 years old. Uh, he calls himself a geek, believes that UFOs are real, and he's prone to fixations. Uh, he, when he was a kid, he had a collection of Marvel Marvel comic books that uh, swelled to 15 or to 5,000 oh. comic books. Um, when he was in his 20s, this is kind of weird, he noticed that literary-minded prostitutes in London were advertising their services and phone numbers with saucy little poems written on cards glued to the inside of phone booths. For months, Fernandez would mortify friends and family by painstakingly peeling off the cards on the glass until he uh, owned uh. more than 600 of them. In 1984, he published the lot in a volume called The X Directory. Oh, I love um, it which wow. sells for hundreds of dollars these days. God, I can imagine. Um, and, uh, oh, he, in 1982, he acquired a shortwave radio and became fascinated with number stations. Uh, he's quoted as saying he stayed up till four or five every morning, jotting down frequencies and figures, looking for patterns. He kept a detailed log, not for weeks or months, but for years without a clue of what he was logging. Uh, sometimes Fernandez didn't leave his house for a week. Wow. So wow. basically what happens, this is crazy. 1995 rolls around and he puts out a request on the internet for um, on several Usenet posts and shortwave magazines. And he's basically asking for people to contribute. Like if he's, he's basically saying, Hey, has anybody out there ever recorded any of these recordings basically of number stations and broadcasts and stuff. And people from all around the country, all around the world started sending him um, recordings that they had made some of these recordings dating back to the 1970s. These are recordings made by radio enthusiasts, not like mm -hmm. spies or anything, you know. And so what happens is he, he gets all of these recordings. Um, he tries to do some audio to clean up, like, the, the sound quality and everything. He compiles them. He edits them. And there's a bait. And in 1997, he releases a four-CD set called the Conet Project. And Conet is a word that he heard often in the shortwave broadcasts. And it's actually the, the word end in the Czech language, uh, presumably for like end transmission or something. Yeah. 
So he comes out with this four CD set with 150 different broadcast snippets from all around the world, different countries and whatnot, different languages. Um, it's more than 280 minutes. Um, and there's also a 74 page booklet with background information, logs, playlists, a bibliography. Um, it's almost the kind of treatment that you would reserve for like a, like a really famous, <laughs> like a uh, rock band or something with a massive fan yeah. base. Mm -hmm. Um, and he releases this, this, this four CD set for a princely sum of $62. And so this is where the story starts to get really crazy. So it sold really, really poorly. And he eventually had to close his music label in 2001. But the Conet project for CD set eventually started acquiring a cult following. And there was a fervent cluster of uh, devotees that cropped up in San Francisco. There was an independent record store back in the day called Aquarius Records. And for the people of Aquarius Records, this four CD set was this ridiculous and irresistible mystery. And the staff of the record station posted this chart at the cash register that tracked every time that they sold, sold one of these four CD sets. Mm. And every time that somebody would buy the four CD set, they would ask for the customer to pose for like a Polaroid photo of them. And then they'd hang up the photo on the wall. Um, and they eventually stopped at customer number 386. Wow. Um, That's and wild. Eventually, like, it started getting a life of its own. Um, there was a weird Tom Cruise movie called Vanilla Sky mm -hmm. that um, Fernandez gave permission to, like, sample some of these recordings in. And then there was this, like, rock band called Wilco. I, I'm not, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I've yeah. never heard of them or anything. But apparently, Wilco sampled one of the Conant tracks in one of their songs. And Fernandez sued and received uh, $30,000 plus uh, ongoing royalty payments that uh, totaled several times that sum. So he all of a sudden, he's got all this money, and he uses it. It's a great story. He reopens his music label. And then he re-releases the Conant project. And the second pressing, I guess you might say, of the CD set even included postcards to encourage listeners to take part in a worldwide experiment called the Conant Project, Six Degrees of Separation. And they were going to use these postcards to attempt to track down um, people, staff people who operated number stations in the past all around the world to try to like learn more about the whole process. So I just think it's so fascinating how Love it. In this guy in this CD set, like you have the, the conjunction of super secret spy stuff, artsy fartsy musicians, and like radio <laughs> enthusiasts, and they're all like converging in this crazy little story. And I, it, it totally, it totally bumps me out because, like, I was living in San Francisco, going to college at that time, and like, theoretically, I could have been one of these like yeah. bizarro people that got their photo taken because they bought this insane like CD <laughs> set or whatever. Yeah, I love that's it. Awesome. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, because if you go on YouTube and look up number stations, like, odds are, you know, a fair amount of the recordings, especially the older ones, you might listen to, probably originate out of this um, four CD set. Which yeah, is crazy. yeah. And, and like I said, you actually, it is on Spotify. You can go, um, you know, just listen to it uh, for free. Uh, link in the show notes for that. Um, if you really want to, you know, stay up late with the lights off and kind of freak <laughs> yourself out. Because some of these older recordings, you know, they're a lot more warbly. And when that sound is warbly, there's just something more more off-putting about it. Um, yeah. But that's really you, cool. Yeah. Do you have a, any of favorite ones? I mean, I know you love the buzzer one, but like, I mean, there's some uh, like weird music in the background and stuff. Yeah. On. Well, there, there's a number of them. In fact, um, I tell you what, uh, John, why don't you play the Lincolnshire Poacher one? This is probably one of the most famous ones. All right, here we go. 
3971315 Now, I have a question. So yes. the is is anything added to that? Um I yeah, that's that's just a small snippet. I'm saying um, like in the background it kind of sounded like they added some eerie or is that just straight up um, the source? No, I think that now I granted I clipped that piece of audio off a YouTube video. Mm. So they there may have been a little bit of extra production back there. But that that tune, the Lincolnshire Poacher, um is is what would be played at the beginning, you know, a transmission to get the listener's attention. Hey, you know, we're about to broadcast. Yeah. We're about to broadcast. Um, and I, if I remember right, I think Lincolnshire Poacher actually was broadcast like somewhere out of Crete, but it was it was British operated, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I and I believe typically the you know the the message length would be longer than just you know that repetition of five numbers. Yeah. Um, again. Some of this stuff, you know, some of these broadcasts can be really, really long. Um, in fact, there was um, there was one. Uh, it was actually there was a time where where the buzzer broke down, um, and like what you have basically is a half an hour worth of calls between like uh, you know duty officers trying to like figure out what broke and stuff. And nobody realizes that the mic's still hot. Oh man! Now it's all in Russian, so you have no idea as as the casual listener what's being said. And I really, I sat there with this half an hour recording, going, "I really want to trim this down so we can play, you know, even just a minute of it." And I'm like, "No part of it's going to make any sense." Right. Um, but what I did do is um because it's up on soundcloud and i think okay you know what i didn't toss it in the show notes yet but i'll um when i post this episode i'll toss it in there if you want to sit for a half an hour and listen to this this exchange um you know in in somewhat urgent russian of people trying to go hey (laughs) why did the signal break down why isn't yuri doing his job Oh man, I love it. Yeah. And and it's weird because, you know, some of these things run on some old equipment like people have heard um uh you know, people have heard like the Windows XP startup sound in the background of some of these 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 transmissions and stuff. In fact, um there's there's one that while I was kind of like going through and finding one there's um there's a, a German station um that you know, it's got a, a female voice reading off uh, numbers and stuff, but like, like something glitched partway through, and there was like a computer startup sound and like some weird video game, like not video game music, but almost like a video game sound effect. <laughs> uh, it was it was really weird, and it it actually was more spread out, so I kind of trimmed out some of the the excess silence because who wants to just sit and listen to hiss for you know a minute and a half yeah um uh play german lady real quick let's hear this one
Now, I don't know about, I don't know about you guys. Crazy. But if I came across that in the middle of the night, just that, just that little end piece, that that ascending scale there, like even just sitting here right now, I got chills up my back. There's just something very weird <laughs> so about before, it. Before that, it kind of sounded like um, you know when you hit uh, a key yes. and you just keep you keep pressing it, and it's like no, you can't do anything. Right. It it sounded like that noise before we. That, that's uh, exactly. Yes. We took I in the overdrive agree. here, or whatever that yeah. was. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, that's a fun one. Um, another one that you would hear on like the Conant project is the Swedish Rhapsody. Ah. Um, and and we've got a little clip of that one to play as well. Here we go. Total ice cream truck ride. Now that 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 little sound you heard at the very end that whoa 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 that's 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 the YouTube video that mm. I pulled from. That's not something that you would have heard in the original transmission. Yeah. I should have just gone to you know the Conet project on Spotify and and just kind of like pulled cleaner versions of this stuff. But I was I was rushing to get stuff done. August has been kind of a a crazy month around here. It's ambiance to make it more creepy. It, there you go. It's that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. total ambiance. Um and and hopefully everyone at home is is sitting in a dark room right now listening to us talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> um now there's one that I want to bring up that is possibly I don't I don't know. Maybe I want to save this one for last and and talk about something else first. But part of me is just so fascinated by this one. Um, Seb, last month when we talked about Dulce, New Mexico, mm-hmm. um, I know that um, we we had actually said that we would talk a little bit this month about um, some of these odd connections we were making with this uh, Lovelace guy uh, this month. Oh, right. Um, and, and, and yeah, we were, Seb had sent me, um, this all connects here in a second, I promise. Um, Seb had sent me, um, basically a still frame from what was it? It was like a Bruce Maccabee presentation. Yes. He gave a, he gave a talk, um, at a UFO conference many years ago. There's a video of it on YouTube. Um, and basically it was his recounting of some interviews he conducted with a retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel back in the 1980s, who he assigned the code name Hawk, although it's pretty clear we know who Hawk is these days. Um, And one of the more stranger stories that Hawk told was of a strange medical facility uh, outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico, where uh, alleged alien uh, extraterrestrial cadavers were autopsied by U.S. Navy doctors. Um, there's a small map that he had, or this hawk gentleman drew, um, and it sort of has some connection, I think, to an actual medical facility out in that area called Lovelace. And um, Tay, you and I were kind of emailing each other, talking about because you, in your own research, had kind of come to the name of the guy who basically started the place 
you had popped up in some independent research you were doing. And right. I was on this total other track and we were kind of converging all on this one particular place, this one institution, this one gentleman, which was kind of a funny kind of, I guess, coincidence. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so you gave me this, um, this hand-drawn map, which was incredibly not to scale, um, uh, but it's a hand-drawn <laughs> map. It's sure. what I should have expected. Um, and I, I sat there for, oh, a good while, um, kind of uh, staring at a map of Kirtland Air Force Base on Google Maps and going by not just that map, but a set of um, kind of rough coordinates uh, of a basically like a, um, like a hazardous waste site. And um, eventually kind of sat down and went, okay, it looks like, you know, here's this one particular building that uh, Hawk is talking about. Here's these other ones. And, you know, here's this kind of arroyo that runs through here. And so over the course of a couple of hours, I kind of started to kind of piece together where everything was. And so mm -hmm. I made my best guess as to what um, set of building in Google Maps was the best candidate for this alleged location of um, mm -hmm. uh, of these autopsies. Um, so, right. and 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 Kirtland Air Force Base is in the Albuquerque, New Mexico uh, area. Um, mm -hmm. So, strangely enough, speaking of Albuquerque, um, there is a well. I shouldn't say there is. There was a weird. Um, it wasn't even really so much a numbers station, but it was a shortwave broadcast. It was first heard in December of 2004 um, called, and they literally just called it Yosemite Sam. Um, <laughs> listeners began to triangulate the signal to the Albuquerque, New Mexico area. Um, and I've got a quote here. Two amateur radio operators from New Mexico claimed to have tracked down the source of the Yosemite Sam broadcast in February of 2005 as being located at the MATIC, M-A-T-I-C, the Mobile Assessment Test and Integration Center, Center in a factory owned by Laguna Industries located near the small town of Laguna, New Mexico, about 50 miles southwest of Albuquerque. The pair took photographs of a compound containing buildings, towers, and antennas, but quickly fled as they were approached by a security guard shouting at them not to take any pictures. Three hours later... The radio broadcasts abruptly ceased and have not been heard since. Whoa, Laguna crazy. Industries has removed all references to Matic from their website. Huh. Now, if that wow. doesn't give you some idea that they stumbled across the actual source of this, um, I don't know what does. Now, I'm going to have John play the Yosemite Sam broadcast here in just a second. But again, I want to warn people, if you have headphones on, there is there's basically a data burst. Um, at the beginning of this and I and you're gonna hear it three or four times in a row and it is um, you know sharp and loud and electronic so prepare yourselves for that right now okay here we go John, go ahead and play it Oh, we are 
So I'm, <laughs> that's that's crazy. But I'm also reading uh, the wiki article about this, mm-hmm. the Albuquerque thing. Yeah. Uh, the bu- the Bugs Bunny line. I knew I should have taken a l- that left turn at Albuquerque. Right, Albuquerque. That's right. That's great. Uh, and I hope, I hope <laughs> that that is uh, that is a part of this. So. Okay, a security guard shouted at them to not take any pictures. Three hours later, the broadcast was done and hasn't been heard since. And then they removed Matic from their website. Yeah. Uh, what do we? Uh, what do we think this is about? <laughs> well, I, I've got, you know, at least based on what I've read, is is that it would it would play at um, different times on different frequencies you know, higher up, it would start at, you know, like 7,000 something, you know, uh, uh, a period of time later, move up to 9,000 something, a period of time later, move up to 11,000 kilohertz something. Um, And so there is a thought that because if I remember reading right, the Mobility Assessment Test and Integration Center is um, studying ways um, to have um, secure... Uh, uh, transmissions uh, like in the field, like, you know, you, you're, you're out on the battlefield uh, and you're over great distances. Um, and sometimes what I think, I think that's part of what that data burst you hear is, is, okay. is that's, is that that's highly compressed information um, being transmitted in a very short span of time. Um, and so what, what the, uh, ascending frequencies it's 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 like testing propagation how how far can we get this signal to go gotcha so that's that's kind of my feeling on it from everything that i've read about this particular uh topic now granted it's a signal that was first heard in december and barely three months later yeah it's it's uncovered and shut down weird huh. So there's not a whole lot out there on it, but th- that's that's kind of the vibe I get from what I've read about it. Ooh. Yeah, Seb, I don't know if you've got anything you want to pitch it's, in on it. It's all, uh, The only thing I can say really is that for me personally, I don't know how you guys feel, but whenever there's something in these recordings, like a, a snippet of music, or in this case, a, a clip from an old cartoon, like the more innocent it is, the creepier it is for me. Like yes. the idea of calliope music proceeding like a, a, a like a, an order to garrote somebody to death you know like that's just <laughs> like or like an old-time nursery song or you know somebody sam talking i mean for me that like adds to the it's almost like the governments are it just i mean can they not they must know that weirdos and like um aficionados of creepy stuff are just going to be all over this you know what i'm saying i mean they're just asking for people to want to you know catalog this stuff and record it and investigate it you know what i mean yeah yeah um, yeah i totally do um, and and i don't know i definitely love the, yeah well, I, I, I just, you know, you were, you were talking about stuff like the Swedish Rhapsody. You know, you've got this kind of almost ice cream truck sounding music, yeah. you know, before something mm-hmm. uh, with potentially a more a more sinister, uh, uh, albeit coded message comes with it. Um, you know, it, it's, I don't necessarily understand why 
with Yosemite Sam, you know, you've got the data burst, but then you also have the clip of a 1949 cartoon right after it. Mm-hmm. So is it right? Is it just is it just a marker that like you know it's like data burst, and then and then the the clip from the cartoon is like a period or a space, you know, or, or are they are they trying to be like okay, here's the data burst, here's a voice transmission, and it's like okay. Um, you know, not all the data burst made it this complete distance, but the voice transmission did or vice versa. Like, I, I don't know why you necessarily yeah. have a mix of both per se yeah. in this case. That's, that's the thing that I'm very curious about. Interesting. I mean, one of the things that I've read in the research for tonight's episode is just like, in some instances, it sounds like some governments, there was one interview I read supposedly that said, um, you know, the United States would, broadcast more messages than than they actually had agents in the field to kind of fool the soviets into thinking we had more spies than we actually did okay Um, i saw one thing that said there was a like a north korean number station that yes recently restarted after many years being off the air and the idea some people suggest is that it's it's not actually broadcasting to anyone but it's just an attempt as almost like psychological warfare to make people Mm -hmm. think that there are spies listening to it. Right. You know? It's a psyop. Um, the thing that I was really surprised. Yeah, it's a psyop. Uh, the thing that I was kind of really surprised at was, you know, there's so many people online that say, oh, these all these messages, it's it, it would be really impossible to decode them. We'll never know what they really say. It's useless. My theory is that, you know what, there's, you know, potentially, you know, back in the Cold War, there's some mucky muck who has a message and then it gets translated by somebody into a whole bunch of numbers and then they hand that script to some lady at a booth who reads out the numbers. My theory is that, you know, there's got to be some secret spy documents that actually, before it got, you know, changed into numbers, you know, maybe they still have an old ledger that says what it, what, what the message was. Because I know that in at least East Germany, it's my understanding when the Berlin Wall fell, a lot of East Germans rose up and kind of seized a lot of the papers of like the Stasi and like, you know, spy organizations before they could be destroyed or Mm -hmm. sent to the KGB. So I think there's like, I would have to guess there's gotta be some good chance that there's some like government archive somewhere where you could actually, you know, look up, okay, you know, 1975, there's this East German spy master and his message was, you know, go meet me at this bridge or something like that. And bring donuts. And then it's translated into the unbreakable numbers. And bring donuts, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's what I would be really fascinated if someone could tie in, like, number stations to, are there any surviving archives and records that kind of said what the messages were, really? I mean, if they're good enough spies, there wouldn't be any records, right? Exactly. I think, you know, I I was just sitting here thinking about it because, you know, there, (laughs) there are a lot of numbers being broadcast. What if, like... It, you know, and I know we kind of, some of it was debunked as being for spies and stuff like that. What if it's literally like okay, and they just hand the spy a piece of paper that has, I guess, the frequency, and then just says like divided by two or like times five, and mm-hmm. then it's maybe coordinates to somewhere that they need to go at a certain time or a time and date. Who knows? It it could yeah. be anything, and I think that's. It's very fascinating that it could yeah. it could literally be anything, or it could just be uh, nothing. Yeah, and and I and I love the idea of the whole um, you know signal and noise uh, yeah. thing, where it's like you know what 
maybe you know let, let's let's just say 50 percent of what a country transmits is actually you know intended for a recipient everything else is just mumbo jumbo uh, yeah mumbo jumbo audio chaff to you know make other listeners go oh god yeah they're sending so much stuff you know what's going on and kind of you know play that psyop game i i mean why not you know there that totally could be the case um and but but you guys both i mean you both see how much fun it is to kind of start going down this mental rabbit hole oh yeah of of basically you know it's all encryption it's all it's all cryptography and there's other ways to do it i mean john i you and i both got obsessed with a particular um instagram account that seemed to be um embedding um unlimited breadsticks the unlimited breadsticks that's right um yeah 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 unlimited bread s-t-i-x sticks um and i i still i have no idea what the operator of that instagram account was ever really up to um but yeah like they were there was some weird stuff, man. Like we were getting into what you and I were trying to crack some of this stuff. And it was like embedding um, messages in um, images, right? There's yeah. Like I unfollowed them, actually. Yeah. You still Vision. follow them. Yeah. I was just kind of like, all right, I think they might have changed up what they were doing. I was like, all right. Yes. Yeah. They they did, but there there was some weird stuff there going for a while, and you and I were just. I think I still have our Google folder. We probably do still have it. Yeah, yeah, and we'd go back and forth, going like, "What is this? What does this mean?" I'm gonna look it. I'm gonna look it up. I'm very sure we still have a shared shared uh, Google folder. Stand by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh come on! I know we do, but, but you can see it just. While John looks for it, I mean, it, it speaks to the, you know, the idea that you can encrypt information in many, many ways. Um, mm-hmm. And and whether number, you... Number stations... Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I think you're right, because I think number stations or, you know, secret Instagram accounts, it's almost like the person who, you know, they, they're an avid reader of spy novels or they love watching spy movies. And this is almost like once that person starts to need like a harder drug, you know, <laughs> something that like is a little bit more real, you know, I mean, you'll never, I mean, unlike a spy novel, you'll never get the full story or the full ending or have that satisfaction, but you'll have the greater satisfaction of going, you're really listening to something. Yeah. Something real, I guess you might say. Yeah. I don't see it. Yeah. No, no. I wonder, I might, I might still have it backed up on a, external drive somewhere. it was a it was a g drive thing right mm, i'm pretty sure it's been quite a few years i mean yeah i was still i was still working at memory dealers that was like 2013 oh wow yeah that has been a while then yeah um well anyway um one of the last things that i want to bring up tonight is um is another um you know we kind of we kind of talked about something that the russian military uses to send messages um but um kind of kind of sort of an analog of that is um uh, the u.s air force's high frequency global communications system 
Um, and I only started kind of like listening to this is because actually my work blocked any site that wasn't using HTTPS. <laughs> um, and so I couldn't listen to the buzzer anymore. Um, uh, and so I, I found, um, yeah, I know. So I found a site called, uh, uh global tuners and you can stream various, um, um, you know, there's some airports you can pick up on that there's there's other sites that you know you similarly have kind of a like a web sdr you can kind of tune to different sites and there's one based up in i want to say minnesota and it's just it's just it's not tunable it's fixed to a certain frequency but it's fixed to the um the air force's high frequency global communications network and so um you can kind of sit there and over the course of the day you know, you'll hear multiple different test calls. Um, you'll hear what are called emergency accent action messages, EAMs. Um, and some of these are like, it literally is, you know, just a string of alphanumerics. I have no idea what it could translate to. Um, but I've heard some of them that are like over a hundred characters long. Mm. Um, and um, there are sometimes ones that are broadcast as uh, Sky King. And that is like, from what I understand, like, you know, top priority messages. Okay. Like, like it's like everything else on the channel halts if you hear Sky King. Um, so during the day, you can pick it up at um, 11.175 kilohertz and uh, at night at 8.995. I think it's eight nine nine five. Maybe it's eight nine nine two. But anyway, you're close. Um, and I do, I do have a sample of what an EAM sounds like, and it's got a couple of Sky King calls at the end of it. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just warn you right now. It's like two and a half minutes. Um, but it's, it's our last, it's our last sample for the evening. So, John, why don't you go ahead and play that one? Alrighty. Call five seven Charlie six. Tango, stand by. Golf, five, seven, Charlie, six, Tango, stand by. Golf, five, seven, Charlie, six, Tango, stand by. Message follows. Golf, five, seven, Charlie, six, Tango, Two, five, Charlie, Oscar, six, Victor, November, Tango, Papa, two, Hotel, Romeo, Whiskey, Alpha, Lima, Papa, Juliet, Echo, Lima, India, Kilo, November, Mike, November, I say again. Golf, five, seven, Charlie, six, Tango, two, five, Charlie, Oscar, six, Victor, November, Tango, Papa, two, Hotel, Romeo, Whiskey, Alpha, Lima, Papa, Juliet, Echo, Lima, India, Kilo, November. Yeah, it goes Mike, on for a while, doesn't it? November. <laughs> this is me, fill out. 
checking new dot answer. Alpha, Mike, Lima, time 4-7, authentication, Papa Delta, I say again. Sky King, Sky King, do not answer. Alpha, Mike, Lima, time 4-7, authentication, Papa Delta, this is me, fill out. Got that, that. Golf, Charlie, three, time 4-7, authentication, Alpha Foxtrot, I say again. Sky King, Sky King, do not answer. Golf, Charlie, three, time four seven, authentication, Alpha Foxtrot, remain so out. Can I just say uh, Papa for P is the weirdest thing I think I've ever heard. Is that really what they say, Papa? Yeah, yeah. rather than Papa. Or like, I don't know, any other P word? <laughs> Maybe not any other P word, let's be honest. P- when we would say uh, spell our last names, we'd oh, say P is in Peter. Yes. Papa. I'm going to say P is in Papa. Yeah, Peter would be fine. <laughs> Look, man, I didn't come up with the finish. No, I know. And I mean, just the, uh, I mean, the panic in the voice when we, uh, yes. when Sky King, Sky King, do not answer. Ooh. I know. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the part. Actually, that's the part that kind of is, um, you know, I don't know, nerve wracking the most. It's like, you know, don't answer. Just listen. Here's the authentication. Don't reply. It's like, you know, you're somewhere dangerous. And if you reply, they can like pinpoint where you are kind of thing. It's like, you know, just listen. Here's the authentication. Yeah. Here's this code. You look up what the code is. It's like, okay, uh, this is what I got to do. You know, it, it, it lets the mind fill in the gaps of what's actually going on. Yeah. Very, very weird. Very but weird. Yeah. That, that urgency, you can feel it. It's palpable. Yeah. Or it's 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 papaable. Papaable, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Papa. Goodness. Yeah. Well, anyway, I there are this is literally just the the tip of the proverbial iceberg when it comes to number stations. There are so many other ones out there that we didn't even mention. Um, that if you go hit up the show notes and check out the resources we have in there, if you're interested in all uh, of what's out there and you know you want to check some of them out, uh, that, that's a good place to start. I think we've collated a lot of really good resources um, for you. Guys, is, is there anything else you want to um, bring up before we, uh, you know, we call Sky King and uh, wrap things up tonight? No, man, this has been a... An interesting journey, that is for sure. Uh, albeit a creepy one, but yeah. Well, we're getting kind of toward Halloween season yeah. here, so let's crank that creep factor up. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it, the more you go into it, there's 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 stations everywhere. I know uh, a friend of the show, Olaf Phillips. I mean he he knows of a um, I think it's a U.S. Navy. Um, site. I want to say it's up in Dixon, California here. Um, that used to be uh, a place that broadcast, you know, out to the Pacific. I think it's been decommissioned since, but you know, I mean, the, the part of it is, is the history that's all around us too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Alrighty folks. Well, I tell you I'm what, I'm kind of struck you... by how, Oh, go ahead, Seb. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm kind of struck by just how, uh, 
it's almost there's like a pathos involved in the sense that you know you think you're you're broadcasting across the ocean to someone who's listening but it's a one-sided conversation and there's there's a kind of loneliness there because you kind of think the person listening you know is the person listening to the number station lady is he like falling in love with the number station lady but can't reply back because it's a one-way conversation and i don't know there's a little bit of romance there the romance of yeah. the air i guess I don't know. you're such a romantic man we should have saved saved this episode for february <laughs> What better way to send your right. love than in a coded one-time pad message? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, every month Seb is going to dig into the old-timey newspaper archives to unearth a story of high strangeness. Seb, do tell, what do we have this month? Well, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have an article from the San Francisco Call newspaper of June 25th, 1908. And this is a strange tale, ladies and gentlemen, of the rare and often unseen desert octopus the headline sorry, dynamite what? in pipe kills hot water octopus <laughs> strange creature eight feet long is blown up in boiling spring reno nevada june 24th a massive soft-shelled devilfish one of the queerest freaks ever seen in nevada was killed <laughs> in a boiling spring at steamboat springs near this place yesterday afternoon by john madison gray a well-known man in Reno, Gray was examining spouting geysers when the massive octopus spread its tentacles above the opening. Gray attempted to kill the creature with a club, but failing in this, filled a piece of pipe with dynamite to which he attached a fuse through a rubber hose. In this way, the charge was exploded and the devil fish set high into the air and killed. The octopus oh measured God. eight feet from tip to tip of its large tentacles. It was brought to Reno this afternoon and is on display in the office of Judge DeWitt C. Turner. As a result of the explosion, the body is badly mutilated, but an effort will be made to send the curiosity to Washington for classification. The fact that it was able to live in boiling hot water, which comes from the spring, is what is puzzling to local scientists the most. And there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. What on earth? <laughs> well, there you go. I don't even know what to say. He's, <laughs> he's stopped a kaiju before it grew so large that it could yeah. ravage well, the West Coast. I, I mean, don't know. You, you do what you got to do, right? <laughs> that's crazy. That is insane. I like Pretty that. weird. I mean, I think that's, I think that's how they... Well, yeah, it's, it's funky. It's, it's definitely like... Reminding me about how to like boil calamari, I guess. Um, but, <laughs> well, yum. yeah. I mean, because really, you know, most octopuses or octopi in boiling water, they they don't live. No. <laughs> right? Or grow to eight feet long um, in yeah, a desert. Could, yeah. <laughs> is, could, could this be like an early West Coast version of like alligators in the New York sewers kind of thing? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. There's there's octopuses in the springs in Reno. Yeah. So obviously we must throw dynamite at it. Yeah. Well <laughs> what else would you oh, do? Yeah. Right. Right. That's wild. I um, love it. I love it. Pretty <sighs> <laughs> Well guys, thank you so much for a fun, fun episode. Um from octopuses to numbers to the tentacles reaching through 
uh, shortwave broadcasts. Man, that is it for this month. Thank you for joining us on this adventure into the weirdness that surrounds us every day. If you have an experience you want to share with us, or if you have questions for us, email us at allnightgeeks at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram, and I know I need to post there more. I've been really bad about it lately. Like I said, sorry, August has been a really crazy month. Um, but you can also follow us there and on Twitter at All Night Geeks. You can follow me at BusBuddha71. You can follow Seb. At Clan McMuffin. And you can follow John. At JP Thrice. So, hey, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Well, we need to work on that Spotify. Mm, one yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Apple, Stitcher, and all your favorite podcasting platforms will get Spotify sorted out. And be sure to rate and review us as well. Um, and just as importantly, share us with your friends. Confuse your enemies with us even. I don't know. Oh. Word of mouth goes a long way to spread the love around. And we'd appreciate it if you tell at least one friend about the podcast. We want to give big thanks always to the ghoulies for letting us use hot rods from outer space from the album midnight in america as our intro and outro music give them a follow on social media and hit up the ghoulies denver.bandcamp.com to buy their music we've also got merch man check that out at shop.spreadshirt.com slash n-o-t-l-g yes shirts buttons stickers Go check that out now. And as always, huge thanks to Kate, the steam-powered mouse, for doing the show's artwork. Um, I need to scroll down because I didn't scroll far enough. Obviously, <laughs> we are still in a pandemic. Good Lord, people. Go get vaxxed. Wear a mask. Um, and, and help local artists and businesses. Um, most definitely those first two. Um, a lot. But also the third part. Support them first. But if you also want to throw a few bombs our way, you can do that over at patreon.com slash N-O-T-L-G. All right, so that is it for this month. We will catch you in October. And in the meantime, get out, go find something weird. Good night. See ya. You got my email full of sound clips. Yeah. Excuse me. Woo.